Just a reminder, our podcast deals with crimes that are often violent and graphic in nature, so listener discretion is advised. So when in doubt, leave the kids out. Now, please let us take you back in time. Hello, guys. So, Melissa and Shannon. Yep. We're back, and I hope you've had a good week. Uh, happy late Mother's Day. Yes. Because that happened last weekend. It sure did. So a lot of kids Mother's getting Day. ready to the graduate or getting to the end of their school year this year. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to all those. For making it through a very hard year yes. and um, of chaos and confusion. Lots of Zoom meetings. Yes. Consuming. That everyone loves. Zooming. Yes. <laughs> Um, so welcome back. Hope all of you moms out there had a great Mother's Day or blessed your mom if you aren't a mom to be able to be with uh, some other moms and celebrate them. And we are going to talk about uh, something that's from our neck of the woods, yep. Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're going to talk about a victim uh, where the case is still unsolved. Right, Melissa? Yep. So there are many questions about how the investigation was handled, which May may make you think the reason it's unsolved. Or it wasn't handled. Or not handled, (laughs) yes. Uh, There are so many questions that are left. And hopefully there's someone out there who knows something and can help bring justice to this case. So this story is of Debbie Wolf. Deborah Ann Wolf, she's known as Debbie, was born in Arkansas on June the 19th, 1957. Eventually, her family relocated to Fayetteville, um, North Carolina. She became a nurse and secured a job at the Fayetteville Veterans Administration Medical Center. She received, um, had a reputation as a dedicated nurse. She was meticulously organized, hardworking, and kind-hearted. She had many friends, maintained a close relationship with her family, and overall, she just loved life. Um, She lived on the outskirts of the city, about seven miles away, and she lived where there was a secluded cabin by a pond with her two dolls. Sounds nice. It does sound really nice and picturesque. (laughs) So it just sounds like she had a, you know, good job and Mm -hmm. loved her dogs. And so um, in December of, of 1985, December 26th, started out as any other day at the hospital. So... Um, I guess it looks, I guess she worked Christmas then. I just thought about I that. I think the day so. before she was, it said something about celebrated with family. No, because she, she worked her last shift at 4, 4 p.m. The day before was the last day she'd been seen. Okay. You know, nurses don't get a day off. No, that's true. And <laughs> they work so, all the time. Yes, they do. Especially this year. Yeah. <laughs> and we thank nurses and doctors and everyone from this past year. Um, so in 1985, on the 26th, the day after Christmas, started out as any other day, um, and it wasn't long before several people noticed something was strange. They were asking, where was Debbie? Uh, she was supposed to arrive at work for her 8 a.m. shift, shift, but she wasn't there. And a strange thing, she hadn't called in. I guess she was really, like we said, meticulously organized on time and just someone you could depend on as a, an employee. Um, so they said it was not like her to do that. She didn't miss work without a phone call. The hospital must have contacted her mom because her mom, Jenny, um, to see if she knew where she was. Jenny, 
also not being able to reach her <laughs> and get in touch with her daughter, she knew something wasn't right. Sounds like they had a good relationship. Yeah. So she immediately left with her husband, John, and a family friend named Kevin to travel to Deb Debbie's cabin. And they were going to check on her to see if she was okay. As soon as they pulled up to the cabin, um, Jenny, her mother, knew something was off. Debbie being so organized and she kept everything tidy, including the outside of her home. Yeah, her grass was probably cut. It wasn't like, you know, towering over like mine is right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it said her, her car was actually parked off to the side and not in its usual spot. And, you know, we park in the same spot a lot when we're. And when I think well, over, I have to play musical cars a lot in my driveway. Well, true. But <laughs> if it was in an, you know, you have one or two spots mostly yeah. that you park in. And then if you don't have that spot, it's a, I don't know, it's just kind of odd. I know growing up, I parked in the same spot all the time. And Well, and she lives by herself. So she has no reason to like, you know, ooh, I want to park on this side today. I want to yeah. park up there. It's just, you park in your spot yeah. and you come home. I mean, we're usually, humans are usually creatures of habit. So, um, okay. So her car was not in its usual spot. And then um, she parked a certain way, according to her mother. And they also noticed with her car that the seat was pushed way back. Uh, Debbie being only 5'3", she would have to require that the seat be forward. Um, and I, the only thing with that is if she had cleaned it out or something, I have to push my seat back. But the fact that it was in an yeah. odd spot, then I can see that happening. That just makes me think immediately someone else drove the car. Yes, that's true. Because you, yeah, you typically don't do that. And then you usually move your seat back if you are cleaning it. Or out. if you, cl you clean it and you move it. And then when you hit the thing to go back, it goes all the way forward. So true. like no one can drive it till you get and sit in it and then adjust it back. That's true. Unless you clean the back and then you clean the front. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but yes. Her I, seat was off. Her seat was off. <laughs> I like to pick it. Oh, I'm to take this. Yes. Okay. So then there were beer cans cr crushed outside around her yard. And according to her mom, it, they were covering the yard, which if she was a tidy person, then that was out of the norm. And her mom said that Debbie didn't drink and she wouldn't leave her yard like that. The two dogs were outside and appeared to have been unfed. Yeah, so they yeah. must have been like barking or very hungry which is also something that Debbie wouldn't do. Um, she really loved her dogs. And so um, the dogs were usually also in the house with her. So they were inside dogs most of the time. So now without even going inside or barely getting out of their car, Jenny, John, and Kevin, the family friend, know that all of these things are not good signs. Um, so the three make it inside the cabin. Brave of them for going in because yeah. out of all of that, knowing how they know how she is, I would have been like, I need a policeman to come help me get in this house. Please. I think I would have to, you know, <laughs> now John, her, but her knowing, wanting to see what was going yeah, on. I mean, she could have been so distraught and like, please go in. Well, you know, if, I, I, if I, I was would. in that situation, I guess I would want to pound down the door and find out. What yeah, I would. Was. Unless it looked like somebody could still be in there and something could be yeah. dangerous, maybe. Um, I'd send in whoever was with me first. Kevin, though. Kevin, yeah. go ahead. Family friend. <laughs> yes. You can go first. Um, so anyway, the three go inside the cabin, but things only get worse. The cabin inside was a mess and they find a nurse's uniform laying on the kitchen floor. It was appeared to not be worn and probably one she had laid out to be used for that day. Well, the one that she wore... 
the day prior that she was at the hospital, a friend of hers spilled coffee on it. And it was a long sleeve. Oh, okay. This one was a short sleeve. Okay. And so they think it was what she laid out for her shift that day. Okay. And so it was, then she didn't show up for the shift. So that's why they're you know, investigating. Okay. So then um, they found her purse and it was stuffed under the bed. Her answer machine had a blinking light and um, that indicated that a message had been left. So feeling hopeful that maybe someone had called um, and they needed Debbie's help. And so being the kind-hearted person she was with many friends, she may have rushed out in an emergency. And so that her mother was kind of hoping that that would explain where she was um, and for everything being in disarray. So her mom, Jenny, pressed the play button um, to play the message. So the message is left by a man, and it's a little confusing. He does state that he wanted to check up on her because she's missed a few days and he doesn't want her to miss another one, which is actually inaccurate because she has been at work the day before. Um, The message came in just a few hours when she had missed her first shift. So her first shift began and then the message was called in. He does leave his number at work, but he doesn't leave his name. He had a very, you'll be hearing it, but he has a very (laughs) distinct voice. So, um, He also mentions that she could call him at home. So then the question is, is this the killer trying to leave a red herring? Um, And we'll actually link the voicemail on the episode notes. And we're going to go ahead and play it now. Right, Melissa? Okay. But do keep in mind that it's from like the 1980s and it's not very crystal clear. And it's, you know, like we would hear from a cell phone voice message. Okay. Hey, Deb, Mitch here at work today. Uh, just wondering how you're doing. Uh, if you're able to give me a call up here at the ward, I'm at 822-7007, or I'll give you a call at home tonight. Uh, you've been out a lot of days. You may be worried when you miss another one. I just want to make sure you're okay. Bye. <laughs> That was a voicemail. Okay. So it's a little scratchy, but we think what we heard was missed you at work today. Yeah. And then he also, it sounded like he was saying that she had been out for a few days. Yeah. And it worries him when she misses a lot of days in a row. You missed a, you missed a lot of days. Makes me worry when you miss another one. Right. Or something so, along those lines. Yeah. So, which was um, inaccurate because she was at work yesterday. Right. So. so she was at work the day before. And it could be someone trying to cover their tracks. To, I, I don't a little know. confusing. And we'll get to more so on the mystery man. All right. So after hearing this, uh, Debbie's mother, John and Kevin, the family friend. The trio. The trio head back outside for another search of the property. Realizing that Debbie was nowhere to be found, Jenny attempts to call the police and to report her daughter missing. And Melissa says, <laughs> attempts, because drives are crazy. Um, once again, a family member was told that she had to wait um, because she had to wait 24. No, not 24. Not 24? Not 48. 72 72 hours hours before they could report her missing. Was this back in the 80s that they hadn't changed? They they still tell you you have to wait 24 hours, but you don't. 24, but not 72. That's a long time. That's three days. I mean, it'd be different if it was like she had no, the circumstances were odd. Her house is a mess. There's 
stuff there that's not hers. It's like, very clear. This is not her character to do this. Right. But no, you have to wait 72 hours. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, a little bit crazy. So something was up there, obviously wrong. And it could just be seen because of the state of the house. So they knew it was foul play for sure. Yeah, it wasn't just someone who just got tired of life and needed a break for a minute and just decided to walk away yeah. and come back later. Like, oh, you know, that's, that's not the case. But as, as Which I, is what's happening right now, by the way, locally, is they're having lots of reports of missing people and they're not missing. They show up a week later and they're like, oh, I just needed a break oh, from this okay. pandemic yeah. or whatever. And they're costing resources and time and yeah. they're not really missing. Yeah. And this was obvious. It wasn't yeah. during a pandemic time. And um, yeah, I read about one the other day that was just camping yeah just, just so if you just decide that you want to go away just tell somebody you need to go yeah, away please, so that they don't so have to no waste one calls the, the cops and and is looking for you and that's right taking away from you know the actual murders and stuff that's happening out there exactly i agree i concur <laughs> <laughs> um so her family continued searching which i would say do because yes. you know the, the police do as much as they can but if they're not going to do something right then you can still do something that's the beauty of you know, especially now we have all the technology that we have and cell phones and things of that nature. Um, so they started, they just continued searching for her. And it wasn't until five full days after she had been missing that the police finally got involved in the case. They ended up bringing out bloodhounds. They searched the property, including the land around the pond, but not the pond itself which why is, would you not search the pond that doesn't i mean that's that's like murder 101 <laughs> right we're gonna dump them in the pond or the lake or the ocean so feed you to the fishes is yes <laughs> why not search the pond so already this is seeming like a misstep on the police's part um and we do support police but you know common sense this you search the pond that's why i didn't name the the police yeah. chief. i didn't want to throw a name out there but so apparently the chief at the time was under the assumption that the family, okay, this one struck <laughs> a chord in me, a family had already searched the pond, so he didn't feel it necessary at this time. So how would I, okay, if I'm searching, a, how do I search a pond? Well, I thought that was for specifically trained people because I know I can't <laughs> dive. So um, I would, I would die, not dive. So yeah, he thought they had searched it. Yeah, that's kind of odd. Yeah, that is really odd. However, the resources that the police could have used would have been able to reach places that I'm sure the family couldn't have checked for themselves. I mean, yeah. Other than getting in a small boat and like, you can't look. Yeah, I'm and if it's over your head, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make sense, does it? Um, so the family had not searched the pond themselves. And seeing as how the police didn't deem it necessary, Jenny, Debbie's mom, hired divers herself to look into it. Wow. That had to be. Well, one of the divers is actually Kevin, the family friend. Yeah. And All another right. friend who had okay. have had history and experience in rescue work. They were divers. Okay. And so he offered, obviously, seeing that, that but if he, anyway. Yeah. Again, that brings it back to why not, if you knew he knew that and he's capable, why not volunteer day one to search the pond? Yeah. Maybe there's some miscommunication there on yeah, how the chief thought be. they already did it because... He uh, had, they had a, a friend or, or okay. I don't know, but, but still as a policeman, I'd want to be there when you're searching yeah. because then no evidence gets tainted and you know, you're the chain of evidence stays the same. And 
So yeah, definitely odd. Um, the family had not. Okay, so let me. Yeah, she hired the divers. Hired, hired them. Okay, and it took about two minutes. That's all into their search. Two minutes into the search, they already find footprints and what looks like drag marks on the bottom of the pond. Then they followed the drag marks, and they soon found a fifty. Five oil drum. Well, like 55 gallon oil drum. I think. Okay. Like those big, huge oh, yeah. 55 I think, gallon. I think I missed it. That was a typo <laughs> on my part. Um, that was old and it had holes around it, but there was a body inside. Police were immediately called and the body was retrieved out of the pond. The body was identified as Debbie Wolf. So a sad ending mm. to the searching, which was, but I know they, they were able to find her, which was a good thing. Um, so this was January 1st, 1986, six days after she initially went missing and was found literally in her own backyard, um, which in that something they say that people are usually found close no, to home. That is and, after all, because all the stories you hear is like they sit and search parties out for days and days and days, and then they'll turn up later a couple miles away from where they were actually looking to begin mm -hmm. with. All right. So here things get strange. Not only did we have the police who didn't get involved in the situation until five days later, uh, when they did, they didn't even bother searching the one place <laughs> she was found, the pond. Uh, the mother of the victim had to hire the divers on her own to help find her daughter. The barrel was left at the home while Debbie, the body, was taken to the coroner to have an, an autopsy done. And police said they would be by to collect the barrel the next day. Um, that's kind of odd, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, upon inspection, the initial report stated that Debbie's cause of death was drowning. This did not sound right for several reasons. Most drowning victims have their eyes and mouth open, gasping for air that never comes. And then their hands and legs are often open or spread out mm -hmm. from, um, thrashing about trying to fight for their life. Debbie appeared to be relaxed in a sleep-like state with eyes and mouth closed and no foam being present, which usually indicated drowning. And she only had, I think, two tablespoons of water in her lungs, which you can drown with. You can okay. drown in a tablespoon of water. It can catch the right way. But if you were drowned in a lake, you have you, more. your lungs will be full of water. Um, so what's even more bizarre is the police captain's theory about what happened. <laughs> He concluded that she was outside playing with her dogs and fell in. Just fell in. Hmm. Into a barrel yes. buried at the bottom of the pond. Or perhaps <laughs> one of the dogs was in the water and she tried to rescue it and got turned around and fell and drowned in five and a half foot of water. Well, she was 5'3", so if she can stand up, yeah. it wouldn't be over her head. Yes. And again, true. how do you end up in a barrel? At the bottom of a pond. Ah, the barrel. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get to that. So, yeah, either way, how does that happen if you just... Well, she probably just fell in and there was a barrel right there and then it all worked <laughs> out. I, I don't know. Um, so, we're not detectives and we don't have any experience in the field. Nope. We're upfront about that. Um, but both of these do not sound plausible <laughs> at all. Jenny, the mother, did not believe a word of it either. Debbie was an avid swimmer. There was no way she drowned on her own in a pond that was on her property. Now, avid swimmers can swim, can drown, but they can, but not like this. Not falling in and yes, 
and then your dogs are going to try to help you and it just i don't know <laughs> it sounds a little far-fetched those two theories so the family went back to the cabin and the barrel mentioned the barrel before was gone hmm so now the police were stating that there wasn't even a barrel to begin with what, what, what where is the barrel what happened well, to the see, barrel what i'm confused about is friend kevin was one of the divers is what she said right yes so he's the one who found the barrel well kevin and um there were two two the other guy um was the one who found the the barrel okay and he stated um an unsolved mysteries on this episode he is a hundred percent sure she was in a barrel yes i mean you can't misidentify a barrel but um well, not see. It was weird. The police left it there, and we're going to come back and get it. Yeah, because anything can happen between twenty-four overnight. hours. I mean, someone else could touch it and put they Well, back then they didn't do DNA. Yeah. Well, the captain but, stated that um, it was actually her jacket that was ballooning out from all the air pockets around her that made them think they saw a barrel. <laughs> but weren't they the ones that brought it up? The barrel up? No. They, they left call, it there. They called oh, okay. to police to retrieve oh, okay. it, but th they were there when it was retrieved. Yeah. Like, so, they saw it. They knew where the police had put it after she was taken from it. And even Jenny knew where it was placed after Debbie was removed, right? Yeah. From it. And the marks. They back. Yeah, the marks in the ground from the barrel. You can still see the circle, circle. where it was sitting there. So, Gordon, which was one of the diver, divers who found Debbie. Yeah. So, this is what Ms. Um, Melissa just said. Miss Melissa. Melissa <laughs> um, stated he was 100% sure, like she said, that um, Debbie was in a barrel. And now, just gone. And the official report was that Debbie Wolf's death was an accidental drowning. That, and that's how it was. The case is closed. It's actually not a cold. It's not technically a cold case because it is closed. So, it's as an accidental drowning. Wow. But obviously, obviously. Yeah. And you said it was on Unsolved Mysteries, too. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, obviously, they think there's something fishy there as well. All right. So, can you imagine? Her family was probably devastated and furious. I'm so mad. I would be. Uh, everything they had found as evidence proved otherwise. Jenny knew that something wasn't right with this whole investigation. It wasn't until months later that Jenny was allowed to finally examine the clothes her daughter was found in. Why it took so long, I have no idea how that, that part Especially of if works. they closed the case and they weren't investigating anymore. Why couldn't she have the clothes? Um, so she saw, what she saw to her was shocking because everything that Debbie had on that day, it was not anything that belonged to her. The jacket was an army jacket. A t-shirt that she had on, the mom had never seen before. The pants were way too big, and they were corduroy, something she wouldn't wear <laughs> on her own. Neither would I. So if you ever find me in corduroy pants, that's I, corduroy. I've worn them, and I think they Someone can be cool sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm okay with corduroy. When it comes around, everything comes back in style, right? I'm, I'm sure it'll come around. It, oh, it will, because there's everything else right now. Um. So, and so anyway, then her bra was three sizes too big. Which nobody's gonna want to wear one like that. Um, <laughs> Don't even want to wear one at all. Right, you want it to fit. <laughs> anyway, and um, she was also wearing men's shoes. And they were looked, and they were too big for her too. Okay, and clean, and they were bright white. They were white. Okay, so Jenny demanded to know if they had been cleaned by the police, and according to what they were told, that they were not cleaned by the police. Yeah, 
If she had walked into the pond on her own and drowned like it was thought, her shoes wouldn't have been bright white. They would have been covered in mud. Um, there are just so many unanswered questions. Like none of that adds up. No. So, there was no indication of alcohol or drugs present in Debbie's system at the time of her death. So, who drank all the beer that was in the yard? Exactly. <laughs> you know, if they kept a can, they could do DNA on that now. I mentioned that later. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay. Um, so, since she had, didn't drink or do anything and they weren't in her system, then that wasn't probably hers. She also had cuts on her fingers and her hands, which is often consistent with defense wounds. So you would obtain those when you're fighting for your life or against an attacker. That makes sense. The doctor performing the autopsy was also able to retrieve semen from a vaginal swab. So we can't exactly rule out rape either. Um, but what happened to the barrel? Why was it not collected by the police the next day or the same day? Yeah, right? the same day. Yeah. So, um, and as of the man who left the message, police say he was interviewed. He was ruled out as a suspect. He also refused to take a polygraph. And, get this, he moved out of state within a few days of being questioned. Red flag, red flag. Yeah, because he worked at a hospital, supposedly, if he was calling from the hospital. And so, yeah. to just quit your job and leave, and you're not guilty of anything, but that's kind of odd. Um, so... One thing is for sure, Debbie Wolf's family didn't get to find out the truth of what happened. Sadly, her family has now passed away without knowing what happened to Debbie. A lot of advances have been made in technology over the years, and many cold cases are now being solved by retesting the evidence that was held and preserved. Okay, so here goes the, <laughs> the beer can question I had. One could hope that they saved some of those beer cans, um, the clothes Debbie was found in, something that may one day provide answers since this is considered a closed case unless there's a new bright-eyed detective that um in that area that has grounds to reopen it we may never know that's what i was thinking if nobody's there to fight on her behalf because a lot of times getting loud helps calling you know calling and asking the status of cases and putting pressure on the police sometimes will make them open up old cases uh -huh. especially if they have viable evidence that can be retested because um, now things are more sensitive and there's more um, advances in the technology. But the question is, do they have it? Did, did they keep any of that stuff? Right. You so, know, we don't yeah, know. that would be def an interesting thing. Um, so one thing uh, that true crime lovers know, it sounds like to me and Melissa, Debbie Wolf did not drown. Drown. She was murdered. Um, it does sound like that. Yeah. So I know that um, this was a little bit of different because it was an unsolved case. Which we did do an unsolved case before the Valentine's Day murder. You weren't there for that one. No, I that wasn't. That was the one that I had to do. <laughs> so that, she's um, done that before. <laughs> um, so if there is, um, well, in two, these can be just as interesting mm -hmm. because it, it brings new light on everything. And just like the man who moved out of town, somebody might know him. Mm -hmm. He might've told somebody by now, if he's still alive, um, if he did know something, I'm not saying he did, but if he did know something, so unsolved cases can be just as interesting and you never know what could yeah. happen. Cause I know where we live, we've had some of those ha um, unsolved cases that there's some right now that they're still fighting to get retesting done on um, older, older cases here and locally. Yeah. So, um, 
And they actually, they have d new DNA evidence in the John Bonet case now. Oh, cool. Yeah. That wow. popped up in an article a few days ago. So that's good. I'm kind of interested to see if they're going to arrest anybody off of that. Yeah. Because that's been a long time. You know, people never think about the advances in technology back years ago, but. All they had to do was save it in a plastic bag. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Um, so if there's a particular case in your area that you're interested in hearing more about, we would love for you to let us know and we can cover it. Um, so please send those to us at our email at and oldtimecrimegals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook group, Old Time Crime Gals. And we love to hear from our listeners. So tell us where you're from. I know there's a lot of you from all over, so we appreciate you listening. Yes. Um, this time, uh, resources for this episode include there's an article from The Crime Bus and, uh, of course, Unsolved Mysteries. So join us next week for another tale in old time crime. And remember, do the crime and it'll catch up with you in time. And we'll talk about it.